Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, April 7th, 2016. I think I have Dame Bramage previewing awful Easter sermons. This is the most exposure to bad Easter preaching I've ever had. I'm beginning to think that there's a limit that a human being can experience. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and do some comparative work. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is Sadly, no shortage of really crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up the Bible, Mm -hmm. kind of an important thing, examine what the scriptures say in context, Uh uh-huh, using context, good, sound biblical hermeneutics and exegesis. And by the way, context, context, context is not the only rule for rightly understanding God's word. Uh, There are other rules that apply. Oftentimes, Scripture interprets Scripture, and there's some other things that go on there. But uh, what we do here is we compare with the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolates, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to and whose books we need to be buying and whose small group curriculum we apparently need to be studying instead of the Word of God to test and see if what they're saying squares with what God's Word says, actually says, or if they're twisting God's Word and generally teaching for shameful gain the things that they ought not to teach and leading people astray. Christianity is the faith once delivered to the saints. Christians, what we believe, teach, and confess is, well, what's been revealed in Scripture. And there's a reason why historic Orthodox Christian doctrine really hasn't changed. I mean, it's been tweaked in the sense it's been the definitions have been tightened down and things like that. But what's in scripture is what's in scripture. And when if somebody comes along and they're teaching something that Christians have not believed for 2,000 years, well, it generally means that the person teaching. It is uh, scratching, itching ears and saying things that they ought not to say. That's kind of the idea here. Now, let's talk about what it is that we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Because of the bumper crop of bad Easter sermonage, you know, I've kind of made the decision that this whole week is pretty much dedicated to that. In years past, we've been able to have a normal hour one and then do hour two sermon review 
But because of the sheer volume of bad sermonage, yeah, the <laughs> yeah, bad Easter sermonage, we're going to have, I, I really believe this, we're going to have a record number of contestants this year for you to consider. And uh, this today, we're going to have contestants, well, we're up to five, but we're going to have contestants six and seven today. And I think in the past, we've had as many as seven. Uh, this year, we're going to ha- we're going to have more than that. We're going to at least have eight, maybe nine. But uh, we're, it's going to be contestant six and contestant seven, and they are in this order. Uh, uh, you know, Victoria Osteen. Yeah, that's right, Victoria Osteen. I mean, the, the, the church has changed. I mean, apparently, uh, what Scripture says about women preaching doesn't matter to Victoria Osteen and her husband. He is a winner. He is a winner of the uh, worst Easter sermon of the year contest in years past here at Fighting for the Faith. And so she, I guess, apparently has decided that she really wanted to take a crack at <laughs> at getting it, getting her, you know, getting the same award that her husband has received. And so we're going to listen to, we're going to start off with Victoria Osteen's Easter sermon, and then we're going to head down to uh, New Spring Church, and then we're going to listen to Perry Noble. And I got to tell you, I received. Quite a few emails recommending uh, Perry Noble's Easter sermon, and we'll kind of ex- explain why that is along the way. So that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable. And uh, you know, since it's kind of a, an odd week, it, it really is. I'm I'm a little bit discombobulated just by you know the process of going through all of these awful sermons. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do our normal Joel Osteen update music to begin, and uh, we'll get right to it. Here we go. When I'm feeling lonely, sad as I can be, all by myself an uncharted island in an endless sea, what makes me happy fills me up with glee. Those bones in my jaw that don't have a flaw My shiny teeth and me My shiny teeth that twinkle Just like the stars in space My shiny teeth that sparkle And beauty to my face My shiny teeth that glisten Just like the Christmas tree You know they walk a mile Just to see me smile Shiny Teeth and Me. That's right. That's uh, Chip Skylark and Shiny Teeth and Me. And uh, we're going to be listening to Victoria Osteen's Easter Sermon. I hope you're sitting down. Here we go. If you know you're free today through the power of Jesus Christ, let's give him one more great big shout of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for freedom, overcoming power. We love you so much. Thank you for being here this Easter Sunday. You sound great. You look great. And I know that the resurrection power lives on the inside of each one of you. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. We got resurrection power on the inside of us. Okay. You know, when God speaks about us, he speaks about us as if it was already so. Yeah, we're off to a bad start here. Um, apparently, we're going to begin by talking about how God talks about us. And, um, wow, that's a strange Easter message. T- tell us more, uh, Victoria. He speaks about us 
as eternity would have it. Okay. He has declared and decreed who we are in Christ Jesus already. Uh, so God is a decreer and a declarer, just like your husband. There's a shock. You see, sometimes we don't feel like the person that God is talking about. And what I'm saying is in Romans 8. Yeah, you'll notice the emphasis isn't on Christ. No, 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 no. The emphasis is on you. 37, God calls us more than a conqueror. All right. Now, we got to take a look. Yeah, I've been interrupting her quite a bit. We've got to take a look at what it is that she's talking about here. And so Romans chapter 8, verse 37, and this is out of context, uh, it says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There you go. See, it says it right there in the Bible. That means God talks about us in the future, and he decrees and declares how things are about us in the future. Yet, no, actually, that's not what's going on. We're going to uh, use our three rules for sound biblical exegesis, which are context, context, and context, and take a look at what's going on here. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, did, he who did not spare his own son, but gave himself up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written... For your sake, we are being killed all the day long, and we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. I'd really like to hear Victoria or Joel uh, preaching about how we are sheep to be slaughtered. Uh, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when we put Romans 8.37 back in context, we find that, uh, here's the shock, that God is not speaking about us and decreeing and declaring what we are in Christ in the future. No, this is talking about how nothing can separate us from the love of God and that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And the important words are through him. God is not decreeing and declaring our future selves here. So we got a problem right off the bat on this Easter sermon from Victoria Osteen. In, In fact, he says, I have made you more than a conqueror. See, he's already talking about the finished product. He's talking about what he sees already. Yeah, actually, that's not what the text says at all. And no, that's not what this text means at all. You're totally making stuff up here, Victoria. God is saying you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. So today you have to understand that God sees you in your wholeness. In the position of more than a conqueror. He calls you more than a conqueror because Jesus Christ already conquered. And what he conquered, he gave you the power to conquer. 
He put the same power that raised Jesus from the dead on the inside of us. Um, yeah, that's kind of sort of truish. <clears throat> the problem here is that she's basically making it sound like, hey, Jesus did it. God gave the ability to Jesus to do it. Now it's up to you to do it, too. That's really not what Ephesians 1 is referring to. So Jesus overcame. So you're not powerless. You can overcome when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, uh, Overcome what exactly? And uh, by the way, uh, we accepting Jesus? Yeah, semi-Pelagianism at best, Pelagianism at worst. We continue. You see, how you activate the power is simply saying... I received Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Uh huh. So, in in order to activate this resurrection power, (laughs) no text talks like this. I need to (laughs) accept Jesus. Once I accept Jesus, I activate this this uh, future power resurrection thingy. And uh, right, believe He overcame so that I can overcome. You are more than a conqueror. Jesus never intended us to be under the oppression of the enemy, to be in slavery or in bondage. Jesus came to set us free. That was the master plan of God from the very beginning. He spoke it through his prophet Jeremiah when he said, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans to prosper you, not... Yeah, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. now out of context, typical <clears throat> move on the part of prosperity type preachers here. Yeah, go read it in context. This is not some blanket promise to the church that you're going to be able to overcome your problems. To harm you. Their plans to give you a hope and a future. You see, you have a champion living on the inside of you. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't really. Um, I, I have my sinful flesh that I have to contend with, and that's quite a mess. But um, no, that scripture does not say I've got a champion living inside of me. You are making that up. When you are born again and when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. See, that relationship with Jesus is supposed to grow. And it causes us to be more than a conqueror. See, actually, God's already said it in heaven. It's established and it's finished. We are living it out in real time. That's what you got to understand. You may not feel like a conqueror, but you are living out your destiny right now in real time. Yeah, I may not feel like a conqueror, but I'm living out my destiny. Wow, that's, wow, wow. So don't let the enemy tell you you're anything but more than a conqueror. I uh, heard about this famous boxer who had this world-renowned trainer that developed him in to a world champion. And what this uh, uh, trainer would do before each and every match is he would take a little piece of paper, he'd write a number on it, and he'd slip it into the boxer's glove. Now that sounds like a crazy thing to do right before a match, but the trainer had a reason for doing it. He wrote that number on the piece of paper because he was predicting when his champion which round his champion was going to deliver the final blow to knock out his opponent. See, he had so much confidence in that boxer that it wasn't whether he was going to win, it was which round he was going to win. 
You see, that little piece of paper gave that boxer so much confidence because it reminded him that he could do it. It reminded him of the champion that lived on the inside of him. It gave him what he needed to go out and knock out his opponent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what does this have to do with anything taught in the scriptures regarding Christ's death on the cross for our sins and res- resurrection from the grave, bodily resurrection from the grave for our justification? But, you know, the truth of the matter is that little piece of paper was only a number. It had no effect on that boxer until that boxer let it get in to his thinking. Let it become a part of who he was. Believing that it was only a matter of time before he knocked out his opponent. See, God has placed in your glove today the seed of a champion. Really? God's placed in my glove a seed of a champion. Yeah, that's quite the Easter message there, Victoria. I, I think you're a strong contender this year. You may be the champion uh, this year for our worst Easter sermon deliverer. Yeah, He's already given you the seed that is going to be developed to cause you to overcome in every area. See, God knows what's in you because he put it in there. He believes in you. He is in your corner. And he is not. God believes in me. Well, that's quite the turnaround. Not saying if you're going to win. He is saying it's only a matter of time before you deliver that final blow and you knock out your opponent. But we have to get this into our thinking. Just like that boxer. Until we activate that seed of greatness on the inside of us. by Yeah, have you activated your seed of greatness on the inside of you? I, I didn't even know I had one. Wow. <laughs> this is miserable. What we think, by what we say, by how we praise, how we respond to the forces of God. That is when we will become more than a conqueror. You are living out your destiny right now in real time. Wow, apparently, yeah, and who knew? I mean, my destiny was all really about exposing false teachers like you, Victoria. Yeah, that's quite the destiny. And let me tell you, when God sees you, he sees you as a champion. He knows exactly what he's placed on the inside of you. You know, that day... That Jesus hung on the cross. Yeah, I don't think she's going to be preaching repentance and the forgiveness of sins here. It sounds more like she's preaching, man, you are the bee's knees and uh, you just need to activate the seeds of greatness that are lying dormant on the inside of you. And apparently that's really what Jesus came to earth to, you know, help us all to do, you know. First of all, stop all that stinking thinking and and really teach us how to embrace just how wonderful we really are, you know? The enemy thought he'd done it. He was just waiting for Jesus to relinquish control of the kingdom. He said, we finally got him. All the demons in hell were rejoicing. Yeah, how do you know this? Do you have some inside information about what was going on in the nether regions during Jesus' crucifixion? I didn't know we knew this, 
Hmm. He sat on that cross and he was bleeding. He was bleeding great drops of blood. The demon said we did it. But instead of hearing. Yeah, notice rather than <laughs> rather than saying Jesus, you know, where Jesus says, I, you know, it is finished. Um, well, I mean, she might get to that, but uh, she's kind of focusing on the demon saying, yay, we did it. <laughs> you know, all of the stuff she's preaching is actually not in scripture at all. And so here we've got an entire wasted opportunity to actually preach and proclaim what Christ has really done. And boy, the people there at Lakewood aren't hearing that at all. Jesus say, I'm finished. He heard Jesus say, it is finished. It is done. Yeah, what exactly was accomplished there? Um, Was his blood like the special sauce for activating our seeds of champion greatness on the inside of us? What did Jesus do? Dismantle the powers of darkness. In fact, the scripture says that he made a spectacle out of them. He proved them defeated. He is the champion of the world. Yeah, so let's get him one of those really spiffy belts. You know, Jesus can, you know, the undefeated champion of the world. Jesus, yeah. Amen. But you know what's so amazing about our champion? He not only took the keys of hell and death. You know, keys represent control. They represent going in and coming out. They represent either locking him out or locking them in. They are, you are in control and in possession of the keys of hell and death. That champion not only dismantled the power of darkness, took away the keys. Then he sat down on his throne and he turned to you and I and he handed us the prize. That's what makes us more than conquerors. So when Jesus, the undefeated champion of the world, um, yeah, he handed the prize to us, right? You got any biblical text for this? You are a champion. It's not a matter of if you're going to win. It's a matter of that final blow. What round you're going to take out your opponents. Amen. See, Jesus did it, and now he wants you to do it too. So get in that ring and start taking out your demonic opponents. Amen. We got power in the name of Jesus. Boy, aren't we amazing. Yeah, I I mean, we are so, wow, all glory be to us. Yeah. Well, we're going to continue to worship him as we bring him our tithes and our offerings. Yeah, I think she's finished. Yeah, well, let's hear a little bit about this tithe and offering stuff. Careful givers here at Lakewood. We want to thank you for joining your faith with us as we spread the gospel all around the world. Yeah, no, actually, you're not. That's the weird thing. You think you are, but that wasn't the gospel that we heard there. That was something very different. Your giving, your tithing makes it possible to reach the unreached and to tell the untold. Yeah, but what you're telling them is a different gospel and a different Jesus and a totally different message than what's in the scriptures. And you shouldn't even be preaching in the first place. What are you doing? God's got an assignment for us to do here at Lakewood, and he's done it. He's called us to do it together. 
So as we lock arms, and is your assignment to destroy the uh, the visible body of Christ? As we believe that we're going to touch every soul that God has given us, I know that God is going to be pleased with us. So I want to thank you that you are also in agreement with us that we are going to accelerate the payment of this construction loan. And in order for us to pay it all, God is going to accelerate your life and bless you. So thank- Yeah, so they're going to accelerate the payment on their many, many, many millions of dollars that they owe on this loan for this, <clears throat> you know, old stadium for the Houston Rockets. Um, but if you give them money, God's going to accelerate, you know, things back at you. Right. Thank you for joining with us. You, you, you guys are amazing. We're just so proud to call you family. Thank you for being here today. We know that God's got amazing things in store for you. God bless you as you give. Happy Easter. All right. So there you go. That's contestant number six. Victoria Osteen, not a very long message, but boy, I mean, she was a very effective and powerful wrecking ball with the Bible twisting self-focus. And boy, I tell you, aren't we amazing? I, I feel like we are so amazing. We are such champions. We we are so I mean, yeah, the, the, the Easter is all about how how great we are. That's yeah, kind of what my takeaway is. From that particular, what do you call that? I Yeah, it, that wasn't a sermon, but you get the point. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break when we come back. Uh, contestant number seven, Perry Noble from New Spring Church. Stay tuned, don't want to miss him. We'll be right back. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> no, oh, no, oh, a pirate's life for me. The village with wonder, we rifle and loot. Drink up, me hearties, yo-ho. We kidnap and ravage and don't give a hoot. Drink up, me hearties, yo-ho. Python's Flying Circus Church. New from Los Lobos Ministry Records. An album that's just oozing with the love of Christ. It's Pastor Perry Noble's new techno praise album entitled More Like Jesus. The songs on this album will melt your face off in a sanctified way. This album includes... The number one purpose-driven praise techno dance song of all time, entitled, Well, You Might Just Want to Hear It For Yourself. If you're all about the jackass in the church, the jackass in the church is the person that always screams, I want to go deeper. You know what I tell people to say that around here? You're only as deep as the last person you served. You know what I tell people to say that around here? You're only as deep as the last person you served. What about the jackass in the church? The jackass in the church is the person that always screams, I want to go deeper. 
jackass in the church, the jackass in the church is the person that always screams, I want to go deeper. Don't you feel closer to Jesus after hearing that sample? Well, we've got another one for you, too. This one's entitled, You Officially Suck. I think that you officially suck as a human being. I think that you officially suck as a human being. Listen, I'm playing games, we all. I think that you officially suck as a human being. I'm not playing games. I think that you officially suck as a human being. Other tracks include Your Grandma Smokes Weed and I Don't Like Hanging Out With People That Make Me Uncomfortable. Act now, and Los Lobos Ministry will even throw in a free bonus track by Stephen Furtick entitled Cause They're Stupid. Here's a sample. Cause they're stupid. Cause they're stupid. A lot of people don't like rock and roll in church because they're stupid. Because they're stupid. Because they're stupid. Because they're stupid. A lot of people don't like rock and roll in church because they're stupid. Because they're stupid. Because they're stupid. Because they're stupid. A lot of people don't like rock and roll in church because they're stupid. Because they're stupid. So act now and get Pastor Perry Nobles. Brand new techno praise album entitled More Like Jesus. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture. I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Uh, 
warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that you don't actually have seeds of a champion sitting inside of you that you need to activate by making a decision for Jesus. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute, well, an amount of money that you pick. And uh, we have four ranks in our crew. Uh, lowest rank is Powder Monkey uh, with a commitment of $9.95 a month. Gunner's Mate, $24.95 a month. Master Gunner after that, $49.95 a month. And then our top rank in our crew is Quartermaster. Of course, I'm the captain. But Quartermaster at $99.95 a month is a great way to support us. Of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand. Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support because we truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, uh, moving along, it's time for contestant number seven in our worst Easter sermon of the year contest, but that requires us to do this. Oh, it really doesn't matter what I do, what I do, as long as I do it with a flair. What in effect a little smoke is with a dash of hocus-pocus and the scent of burning sulfur in the air. I'm a fraud, a hoax, a charlatan, a joke, but they love me everywhere. For it really doesn't matter what I do, what I do, as long as I do it with a flower. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't really matter what I say or what I do, as long as I do it with a flair. That's our Perry Noble update music. And Perry Noble just happens to be contestant number seven in this year's Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest. And like I said, we've had a bumper crop, um, th- thanks to the listeners of Fighting for the Faith. I, I've never reviewed more sermons, uh, Easter sermons, than I have this year <laughs> And, you know, it's becoming something of, um, you know, uh, you know <clears throat> an obsession, apparently, you know, because it's like I, I got to get through all of these so I don't miss anything. And as of today, no more submissions. Any submissions that come in after today, we will not be able to preview and no, you know, and, you know, and if your submission hasn't made it in to the worst Easter sermon of the year contest, it's not that it wasn't awful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if those are words of comfort or not. Anyway, uh, Perry Noble is uh, contestant number seven, and the name of the, his uh, Easter sermon this year is titled Sunday in the South. Uh, here's Perry Noble. We'll explain kind of where this thing goes off the rail as we go. Here we go. Yeah! Yeah! Thank you, Michael. That was awesome. Welcome to New Spring. You can have a seat. Man, I feel... I feel stylish this morning. Yeah, he's wearing. I, I, I don't know how to describe what it is he's wearing. It's, um, <laughs> it's a bow tie, but it's it's a blue and white striped or white with blue striped suit with a bow tie thing going on. Maybe it's a southern thing. I don't know. I've never owned one of these. This is this is next level right here. This is southern gentleman. Um. Uh, yeah, just in the dress, though. 
Hey, I'm super excited that you're here for our Easter services. I want to say hello to people that are next door in the East. For those watching online, right before I came out on stage, um, they were showing me a text online right now. We have people watching from France. We have people watching from Malaysia. We have community campuses. Hilton Head got in their brand new facility today. They're renting an elementary school down there. Shout out to Hilton Head. I am pumped. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you how this is going to go today. Let me tell you how this is going to go. I had this other message prepared. And it was, I thought it was good. But I was preaching it Friday night. And I was uh, standing right here. I'm making this up. standing right here. And, and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, we're going a different direction tomorrow. And I was like. All right. So there's where it jumps the tracks right there. So um, <clears throat> Perry Noble, by the way, uh, he has um, a habit of doing these things. If you remember, not Christmas of 2015, but Christmas of 2014, he made a similar claim and then proceeded to open mouth, insert foot regarding the uh, apparently the Ten Commandments are not commandments. He ended up ultimately apologizing for that, but he started off with kind of a similar claim that this was, you know, he wanted to go this way, but God intervened and told him, you know, hey, you got to go this way and said, so what we're going to hear, folks, is a, a message that God specifically inspired Perry Noble to deliver on Easter Sunday. I mean, this is fresh revelation. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and their accounts of... Uh, Jesus' death and resurrection, nah, that's not that's kind of stale stuff. That's not fresh. We we got Perry Noble, fresh message from God. I mean, he, he and God are super tight. They dialogue, and apparently, you know, when God plays the God card with Perry Noble, Perry has a tendency to push back. Listen in. I was like, oh, come on. Come, no, no, not on, not on Easter, God, because um, this is a good message. And he said, no, it's not. Um, and so we kind of went back and forth a little bit. And so he took me a different direction last night. So you have an outline on your fan and just use it to fan yourself because it's not, but if you, if you have this card, you're going to need this card in a little while. This one that looks like they took it off your grandma's bedspread right there. And it says Sunday in the South with name, email, and phone number. You're going to need that before the end of the message. We're going to do something cool with that. You can just kind of hold on to that or put it somewhere where you can get it very easily. Um, as I said, the Lord took me a different direction with this message. And so Today, it's my goal for us not to go to church, but to have church. And mm. Have you talked to Andy Stanley? Because Andy Stanley says we need to be the church, you know. And I feel like, I feel like we just did it a little bit right there with that last song. So we're going to have church today. So, so it's Easter. It's Easter. And if you're brand new here, it's okay to say amen. Come on. Shut the corn. Like whatever you got to say. Just shout me down, because you can't shout me down. i got a microphone. I'm louder than you. And I've got incredible lung capacity. I was thinking about this, about the whole message of, of Easter. Um, how many of you love coffee? Okay, now, put your hand down, because you didn't understand the question. When I say coffee, I mean coffee. Not your triple foam soy latte. That's not coffee. I judge you if you were in front of me. Now, somebody got to go, well, Jesus said not to judge. Yeah, but Jesus did not have to stand behind you in a Starbucks line when he just wanted some coffee, right? And you hold up everybody and nobody likes you. So when I say who likes coffee, I want to know who likes coffee. Who can drink it black? So if you showed up to New Spring for Easter and you happen to be one of these people who really enjoys complicated orders over at Starbucks, um... 
wow, you just got insulted to the point where you just heard Perry Noble say, nobody likes you. Yeah, you're totally friendless. Yeah, that's that's quite the encouraging message. You got this from God the Holy Spirit? God told you to preach this? Okay. Yeah, okay. That's what I needed to know. So, so I love coffee, and before I preach every Sunday, um, by this time I've had one, two, three, four, five cups. That's normal. No, now notice who's he preaching about? Mm-hmm. Perry Noble. Perry Noble preaches about Perry Noble a lot. Um, it's Easter Sunday. You'd think maybe Jesus would be the topic of Perry's message, but not yet. At least so far, that's not the case. It's normal. Um, but several years ago, I was like, man, I got to do something about all this coffee consumption. I'm not sure. And so, and I had a friend tell me about this drink. I'd never heard about it several years ago called Red Bull. And I was like, well, I, that sounds good. They said it's an energy drink. I said, well, I, I'm in. I'm in. I need energy. I'm always needing that. Once I hit 40, good God, I, I'll take energy anywhere. I can get it, right? And so I, I, was, I was like, yeah, I'll take it. So, so one Saturday night, I could not sleep. And I walked, into, I walked into church the next morning. You ever felt like a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest? That's how I felt. You'll get that later. I just, I was worn, slap out, didn't sleep the night before, walked in, I'm tired, and somebody had brought me Red Bull on ice. And I was like, this is my morning. Because I need something inside of me to compel me to go further than I think I can go, right? So, so I drank a Red Bull, and it, like, it didn't do anything. It did nothing. I, was, I, I, don't, I don't feel anything. You feel anything? No, I don't feel anything. Somebody said, drink another one. I'm like, I'm in. I drank a second Red Bull. Did not phase me. I'm telling you. I was like, man, this stuff don't work. In fact, bring me my coffee. I drank three cups of coffee on top of two Red Bulls. And I was fine. Till the first service. We had an 8.30, a 10, and 11.30 at the, when we had one campus at the college. And I hit the stage for that 8.30 service, and I was wired. I preached the entire Old Testament in 10 minutes, man. We just went through that thing. I came off stage, and people were like, what got into you? I was like, I don't know, but give me a Red Bull. I, I, I didn't think I had it. In- Do you get the feeling he's like a frustrated uh, stand-up comic? I mean, yeah. I mean, what? What is the purpose of this part of the so-called sermon? It in me, but there was something inside of me that was compelling me to go a little bit further than I could go, and and that's the reason I'm so excited about Easter. That's the reason I'm so excited about that song that we just sang. Because He lives. Because see, because of the resurrection and because of Jesus inside of us, He can compel us to go further than we ever thought we could go. He. Can- Oh, this is the message God told you to preach on Easter Sunday. Because of the resurrection, God can compel us to go farther than we ever thought we can go. Yeah, I'm not seeing that uh, aspect of the resurrection in the Bible. Do you got a biblical text that says that? He can compel us to do things that we didn't think were possible. Because of Jesus Christ inside of us, we can have hope in the middle of hopeless circumstances. We can have peace in the middle of the storm. Because he lives, we can live. And the resurrection is the reason for the hope that we have. And so I'm excited about it today, and I want to talk to you. 
Yeah, um, I'm. I can tell you're. You're. Yeah, you're on fire about whatever it is you're preaching about. It's just, I. I'm just not seeing this connection in the scriptures. I'm really hoping you can back this up with some biblical text because I'm just not seeing it. Out of Matthew chapter 28, if you brought the Bible, you can go to Matthew 28. We put the scripture on the screen for the lazy people. I'm just kidding. I would watch the screen too. Watch screen two. All right. Matthew chapter 28 verse one says this. After the Sabbath. Now if you got your Bible open, underline those three words because th- those are huge. After- <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we got to underline those words. After the Sabbath. Hey, that's some big stuff right go- Oh, theologically, this is just uh, just ginormous, you know. After the Sabbath, right. Okay. After the Sabbath. That's huge. We'll come back to that. Yeah. After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. How would you like that? What you, uh, who are you? I'm the other Mary. Oh, God, I got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. It's great. The other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now, this verse right here, I was reading through this on um, Friday night, and I just I, I couldn't stop focusing on that phrase, after the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> Why was that? And it brought me to the place where I, as as well as you, all of us in this room, we've had to deal with uncertainty, have we not? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I've I've had a few instances of uncertainty in my life for sure. Yeah. What does this have to do with the resurrection? Everybody here. On every campus, watch it online. You know what it's like to be in an uncertain situation. How many of you are parents? Remember, remember when you brought your first kid home and you obeyed every traffic law on the way? And you, I, like, I was, I was ten and two, right? And I was taking tag numbers of people that came to a rolling stop. I, w- I was ill. First kid, your first kid, you drive. Third, by the second or third kid, they're on. T- Perry Noble only has one child on top of the car somewhere. You, I, they'll be there when you get them home. But I walked in to the house, and I remember I was holding cares, and I walked in the house, and I went, oh, snap, there's not a nurse to come take this thing when it starts crying. Do I have what it takes? I mean, I was uncertain in that situation. But the resurrection made it possible for you to get through and go farther than you ever thought you can go, you know, because that's what the resurrection's good for there. Yeah, uh-huh. Maybe, maybe you're a newlywed. You just got married and you're like, oh my gosh, can I do this? Or maybe you've been in a marriage 10 years wondering, oh my gosh, can I do this? There's uncertain situations. You don't know how your kids are going to turn out. You don't know how the job's going to go. Everybody in here has to deal with uncertainty. My gosh, we've never had more political uncertainty in America than we've got right now. And, and the resurrection of Christ, bodily resurrection, is the solution to that kind of uncertainty. Okay. I've watched TV a little bit too much this week, and I feel like a guy tied up in the trunk as an American. I feel like a guy tied up in the trunk, and whoever's driving is drunk, and I can't get out of the car. That's the way I feel about our political system right now, trying to offend everybody. Well, that's how Princess Diana died. Yeah, okay. I saw the terrorist attacks this week in, in, in Belgium. That creates uncertainty. Should I travel? Should we travel? Are we safe? Is my family safe? Will the resurrection help you have certainty so that you can feel safe while traveling? 
Everybody in this room knows what it's like to live in uncertainty. But don't miss this. Uncertainty is nothing more than a guarantee that we can't live without Jesus. Uncertainty is nothing more than a guarantee that we can't live without Jesus. One of the biggest lies we've been told in the church for years and years and years is God will never put more on you than you can handle. It's not true. It's not true. The Bible says he will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. But if God did not allow from time to time uncertainty to well up in our life, how in the world would we ever recognize our need for Jesus? Yeah, uncertainty is not the thing that shows us our need for Christ. Um, It's the awareness of our sin. Let me give you a, a passage to back that up. Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, concluding his argument that begins in uh, chapter 1, really comes to a crescendo where he makes the conclusion that we are all sinful. Paul, writing in Romans chapter 3, verse 9, says this, What then, are we Jews any better off? Well, no, not at all. We have already charged that all, everybody, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat's an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world would be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified, or you can say declared righteous in God's sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. You see, it's God's law and the knowledge of sin that creates the that need inside of us, you want to say existentially, for us to seek forgiveness and the Savior, Jesus Christ. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the prophets, law and the prophets, they bear witness to it, the righteousness of God that's through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, you could say atonement by his blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. So here's the idea then. Here he's saying that if it weren't for uncertainty, you know, the uncertainty you feel regarding being a parent for the first time, the uncertainty you feel during when you're traveling after a terrorist attack, that shows us our need for Jesus? Not exactly. That shows us that there's something wrong in the world, and um, but that doesn't naturally lend you know, lead to somebody saying, I need Jesus, because Jesus isn't the solution to uncertainty. Jesus is the solution to our sin. Uncertainty is the result of our sin. So you can tell, you know, that's kind of the fruit of uh, our sinful fallen world. It's one of the fruits of it, but you got to get to the root, and the root is sin. So I'm beginning to doubt that Perry Noble's on this Easter sermon going to actually preach Christ's death and resurrection in a way that actually makes sense. 
so that the call is for repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. Hmm. Because in this, in this text right here, the Bible says after the Sabbath. See, the Mary and Mary, Mary and the other Mary. Yeah, it does say after the Sabbath, huh? For sure. I mean, I don't know what that has to do with certainty, though. Other Mary, they saw Jesus. You sure God told you to preach this message? Jesus crucified on Friday. They saw it. On Saturday, though, it's called the Sabbath. And by law, they had to rest. They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't do anything. They had to sit in the silence of Saturday and wait on Sunday. And in the silence of Saturday, they were uncertain. Now, don't judge them because you would have been too. Because we believe... Yeah, where in the text does it talk about their uncertainty? I mean, what? Yeah, you're, you're adding stuff to the biblical text. It ain't there. The reason I believe the resurrection is because I've read about it. Yeah. But they were living in it. And because they were... Living in the resurrection? They were eyewitnesses of Christ's bodily resurrection. They were living in it. They, were, they had never seen anybody pull that off. And so they, I'm, I'm not sure they were 100% convinced. So on Saturday, while the, after the Sabbath, on Saturday, they had to sit in the silence of their situation and wait. And maybe, you know, this would be a lot easier for you, Perry, if you just actually preach the text... Maybe that's where you are in your life right now. Um, in the silence of my Saturday, that's where I am in my life right now. I don't even know what that means. Maybe you've been at a place in your life where you've seen God move over here and you think God can do something right here. But today, right now, you're sitting in the silence of Saturday. But don't, don't miss this. The mundaneness of Saturday led to the miracle on Sunday. Yeah, no, uh, the mundaneness of Saturday had nothing to do with Sunday's miracle. Um, Sunday's miracle had to do with the power of God. You know, Christ rising from the grave, you know. And maybe if you are in an uncertain situation in your life right now, God's getting ready to pull off a miracle in your life like you wouldn't even imagine. He just wants you to hold on in the silence of Saturday so you can experience the miracle of Sunday. Oh, this is this is awful. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, wow. <laughs> So we've now allegorized the Sabbath to you know be a time of certain uncertainty in your life. And don't worry. I mean, just because, you know, there was a miracle on Sunday after the uncertainty of Saturday. I mean, maybe God's waiting to pull off some Hail Mary pass on your Sunday to get you through the uncertainty of Saturday. You know, there's no promise that God's going to pull anything out here if you're experiencing uncertainty in your life. Um, you, let me give you an example. Maybe somebody there at New Spring has heard that they have cancer. and The doctor's saying, months to live. There's a lot of uncertainty that's created in somebody's mind after getting a, a diagnosis like that. And, and they so, showed up at New Spring Church on Easter Sunday. And what they need to hear is that Christ has bled and died for their sins and that he is the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in him will never die. That's what they need to hear. Instead, what they're hearing is, well, you're in the uncertainty of your Saturday right now, but maybe God's going to pull off something on the miracle on Sunday to get you to just hang on, so he's going to pull you out of it. And so they're being taught here through this very vague, uh, bizarre message, which Perry Noble claims God told him to preach, 
rather than pointing to the certainty of eternal life in Christ, they're being told to hang on. Maybe God will pull off a miracle and and they'll live. You know, that's how they're going to interpret this when they're not. Wow, this is really awful. See, Mary and Mary, they, I'm not sure this happened, but I can see it happening in my mind. They were uncertain. They didn't know. So the- He says he's not certain this happened, but he can see it in his mind. Mm-hmm. So he's not preaching the biblical text. He's preaching what he can see in his mind. And that's the problem. The only thing they knew how to do was go find Jesus. And they just said, hey, I, I don't know. I mean, I know he's dead, but let's just go to the last place we saw him. And what? They planned this out. There were certain rituals that still had to be performed on Jesus's corpse. Oh, man. And on their way back to the last place they saw him, a miracle happened. Let's keep reading about it. Verse 2. There was a violent earthquake. Now, we're from South Carolina. We ain't never been in a violent earthquake. Never. Never. We had, y'all remember the earthquake we had like two years ago? You remember in South Carolina, we did. We had an earthquake. It was like, it felt like a truck hit our state. Um, and Fox News reported on it. It was like, earthquake. And I'm like, my water bottle fell over. That's all that happened. So anyway, but Fox thought it was awesome. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down. Well, my page is flipping all over the place. Hold on. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. You ever read the Bible like this? Because it's hilarious. The angel didn't go anywhere. Angel didn't try to get back to heaven. Angel didn't fly off to help somebody out. No, 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 no. The angels just, just sat there. And the Bible goes on to say his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. So they used, they used bleach in heaven. Now, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I'm, I love watching sports on TV. I'm going to tell And how is your watching of sports going to help us rightly understand this passage of, you know, in this text regarding the resurrection of Jesus. Television guy. It, it doesn't matter what sporting event on it is on. If the Daytona 500 is on, I'll turn it on, go to sleep and wake up to see who the winner is. That's a great day right there in the South. If there's um basketball, I went home last night, watched a little bit of March Madness. Well, I would kind of watch basketball because I love watching it on TV. The Masters, I have no desire to go to the Masters. I have none. Zero. Zilch. Nada. But you know what? I'll watch it on TV. You know why? Because I can watch it on TV. It's awesome. I, I love college football. When college football comes around, I'll sit from 12 o'clock to like 9 or 10 o'clock at night watching teams I don't even care about because it's college football. I love to watch things on television, but this is a little confession. I don't really like to go to the games. I've had people call me going, hey, hey, I got tickets. I got tickets to this game. You want to go? This is my question. Where are the seats? Oh, it don't matter. No, it does. It does to me. It really does matter. Well, they're in the nosebleed. I ain't going. Why? Because I got to go fight traffic. I got to go fight drunk people. Um, I got to go climb all those stairs. I'm going to sweat like it's nobody's business when I can sit at home on my couch in my boxers, hello, and eat my chicken wings and drink my Coke that's not overpriced. See, I don't want to go to the game if I can't get a good seat. I'm a little bit of a snob. I don't want to drive to Augusta and walk around and have people. Yeah, I've learned a lot more about Perry Noble in this sermon than I have about Jesus. Weird. I have people telling me I can't throw things on the ground, right? I, I, I don't want to do that. I, but I can watch it 
from my living. Now, with this in mind, I'm just, and once again, my mind was just kind of going crazy a little bit the other night. I can imagine God telling the angel, hey, I got, I got you some good tickets to this miracle right here. And the angel going, I don't, I don't know, man. I can see it pretty good right here on this jumbotron. It looks good. It looks good. HD things, good. And God says, no, no, no. I got you a front row seat. See, everybody up here is going to stand and cheer from a distance, but I want you on the front row. I want you to go roll the stone back, and when you roll the stone back, just have a seat and watch what happens because it's going to change the world. And the angel's like, Phew! rolls the stone back and sat on it. I love that right there. He had a front row seat to a miracle. Now, I've I've had people say, Perry, I wish God did miracles today like he did. Yeah, watch where he goes with this. I wish God did miracles today. Yeah, Watch the miracles he's going to point to. Not the resurrection of Christ. In the Bible. And he does. And he does. Guess what, New Spring Church? And I just want to I just want to boast in Jesus for a few minutes. If you're a part Yeah, no, that's a pious lie. No, this is that's the the setup for a humble brag here. He's gonna boast in Jesus. No, he ain't. Watch what he does. Part of New Spring Church on any campus, guess what? You get every Sunday. You don't get to go to church, you get to sit on the front row of a miracle. Because since we started as a church, we've seen over fifty-six thousand people give their lives to Christ. We don't have Yeah, but uh, why aren't you preaching about the one who gave his life for them? Uh-huh. Yeah. We don't have one location today. We have 17 locations. You're on the front seat of a miracle. We've seen addicts set free, marriages healed, students. How many people have been brought to penitent faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins? Hmm. Students take different routes in life, and we're growing up with kids that actually love coming to church. And if this is what we're experiencing, what's up next for them? See, we get to be on the front row of a miracle. And I love that because God... Yeah, see, if you go to New Spring, it's just like, you know, when the angel sat on the stone, you know, uh, after Jesus was raised from the grave. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, same thing. Yeah. God set the whole thing up. The Bible goes on to say this in verse 4. Now, I love this. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Everybody in this room has fears. Everybody. Every once in a while, you meet a guy. Yeah, why would you springboard from them shaking at Jesus' resurrection, the dead guy getting out of the tomb, and springboard into our psychological fears and things like that? You're allegorizing a historical narrative about the resurrection of our Lord. I ain't scared of nothing. And he is. He is. Um, am I scared of lightning? My dad was freaked out by lightning. I'll go out in the yard and watch it. This is cool. Get in the house, boy. You're going to get struck. Spiders? Man, scared of spiders. Yeah, me too. Mice? Clowns? Yeah, hey, listen, y'all. Ain't, something ain't right about a clown. I said this last night, and somebody hit me up with a picture of a clown on social media, and y'all don't need to do that. Y'all don't need to do that. People ask me, when are we going to start a clowning ministry? When hell freezes over. I ain't starting. I, things freak me out. 
Now, I know on all of our campuses, there's somebody um, here that you probably make your living dressed up as a clown. And you're offended right now. And I'm going to say, good, you need to be offended because you're a freaking clown. Um, Get another job. And the Lord told you to say that, too. Okay. I don't understand how it is that God wants you to offend so many people. Uh, I, I don't understand why he would ask you to, and tell you to do that. But we're all scared of something. We're all scared of something. But the Bible says the guards shook. They became like dead men. Now, I, I was thinking about this. The, they're not just the guards. I, I, in fact, you can write next to it, Roman, the Roman guards. These weren't just um, the Renacop guys. This, these were Roman guards. Roman soldiers dominated the world at this time. When a legion of Roman soldiers showed up, your party was over. They were going to take what they wanted to take. They were going to do what they wanted to do. And there were at least four guards at the tomb. Swords, slings, armed, ready for action, ready for a fight. And one of the most, one of the most powerful forces on earth, when it came into the presence of God, shook and became, went down at his feet. And the reason that's so important is because I don't, I don't know what kind of fear you're dealing with today. I don't know what kind of uncertainty you got going on in your life, but here's what I am going to tell you: because He lives, because He lives. What you fear will ultimately have to fall at your feet if you'll just keep on moving the way Jesus is calling you to move. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) Whatever you fear is going to have to fall at your feet. What are you talking about? (laughs) That is utter nonsense. Because there is no fear that he can't conquer. And there is no enemy he will not defeat. He is alive. Yeah, that's true. But the things I fear bowing at my feet, I don't think so. Yeah. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. Angels always had to tell people not to be afraid. Because people were afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. You know, underline that. Who was crucified, those three words. Now, um, the other morning I was in the gym, and um, I, have, you ever felt, have you ever felt like really good in the gym? It happens to me about once a year. And I'm like, man, I think I got something extra today. You ever felt like you had something extra? So, so I felt like I had something extra, and I didn't. Um, it was just a feeling. That's all it was. It was probably gas. And I just needed to let that go away. Sorry. Um, but I got to the end of my workout. And I was like, nah, I got, I got to do something else. And I got a kettlebell. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do some kettlebell swings. You know what kettlebell swings are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I had a 50-pound kettlebell. And I'm sitting there swinging it. I'm like, yeah, I'm a monster. You know what? I've got a box. So I started doing box jumps. I ain't going to jump on that. I started doing box jumps. I was jumping. And I was like, man, I feel good. And I saw a jump rope. I was like, you know what? I hadn't jumped rope since I was in fifth grade. Let me get a little jump rope in. And I'm kind of jumping rope. And then I got a rowing machine. And I went and I hit the rowing machine. And I was like, I smoked this gym. Rolled it up and smoked it. And the next morning, when I got up, 
No, when I tried to get up, my body was like, oh, you going to do that again? I was so sore, I was walking around like this. What you doing, Perry? I'm walking in confidence. I ain't got to walk fast anywhere. Why are are y'all in such a hurry? I feel good. Took me like 10 minutes to sit down. Hold on. I'm working on this. Getting a quad workout in. You know, I was sore. I've been sore physically. You've been sore physically. You've ran or lifted weights or done something that pushed you to the limits physically. But you know what? I know there's some people in here. I'll bet that if we were dead honest today, you would have to say that you're sore spiritually. That maybe, maybe something has happened to you in the past week or month or year. Maybe this time last year, circumstances were a lot different and circumstances were a lot better. Maybe it happened five years ago. Maybe it happened 10 years ago. But there are people here today that legitimately carry spiritual soreness. And I don't say that as a crack. I carry my um, own amount of soreness as well. But here's what I know. If you feel like you've suffered and you feel like you've been beat up and you feel like you've been torn down, the reason I would point you to Jesus is because he was crucified. He, and I'm not saying that like, get over it, because I'm tired of that. I'm saying he can identify with you at every point of pain that you have in your life. Jesus Christ understands you and can identify with you with every point of pain that you have in life. Because he was crucified. And when the angel said that to Mary and Mary, I'm sure they kind of winced a little bit. Because you know why? They saw it. They saw Jesus arrested. They saw him beaten with a cat of nine tails, um, beaten 39 times. And when they finished the beating, most scholars say his flesh was probably just hanging from his bones like ribbons. Yeah, um, you are going to get to the part about where that was suffering for our sins, right? He, He has to get to that part. I mean, just sitting there saying that Jesus somehow can relate to us in our suffering because he was beaten is kind of missing the whole point. He was pierced for our transgressions. Let's see if he gets to that. They saw him nailed to a cross. They saw the nails in his feet and the hand. They watched him hang on the cross for six hours and they watched him die. They watched the spear and the side. Listen, also that you and I could have a relationship with God. Also that sin could be paid for. That's why. He- yeah. Okay. So he's right. So that it can be paid for. So he gets to that. Good. He did it. So he was crucified. See, the ladies knew that, but the angel didn't stop there. Aren't you glad that the sentence or or that the statement didn't stop? Because he was crucified. Big deal. Lots of people got crucified. Uh, Big deal. We're talking about the son of God being crucified. I think that is a big deal. Thousands of people were crucified by by the Romans. The crucifixion isn't what set Jesus apart. Verse 6 is. Right, the resurrection. Who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. See, that's where it changes. This is where people go, Christianity is the same as every other religion. No, sir. No, ma'am. See, when you go to the tomb of Muhammad, his, his body is in that tomb. And when you go to the tomb of Buddha, his body is in that tomb. And when you go to the tomb of Confucius, his body is in that tomb. But when you go to the tomb of Jesus, there is a sign that says he is not here. He is risen. He's alive. He is not here. He is risen. Just, I love this, just as he said. In other words, he told you he's going to do it. 
Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. I saw this this morning. It's true. The stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so we could see in. Because we got to tell people about that. That's pretty amazing, right? If you went to a funeral and the guy came back to life, you wouldn't go home going, oh, see what's on TV. Got that on the Snapchat. Feel good about it. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. I love the angel. He is not here. He is not here. We had a bill collector come to the house one time. You ever had that? Another personal anecdotal story. I learn a lot about Perry Noble every time he preaches. Very little about Jesus. I was a kid. Dad had gotten some uh, with a finance company. And the finance company guy came to the house. Now, finance people that come to your house are mean. And I'm not trying to crack on you. If, if that's your job, you got it because you're mean. He's better than a clown. <laughs> Knocked on the door. Your daddy home? Hold on. Went back and said, Dad, Bill Company's here. He said, tell him I ain't here. I went and opened the door. I said, he said he ain't here. <laughs> It's a true story. (laughs) But he was. He was. But the angel said he is not here. And the angel was telling the truth. He is not in here. He has risen. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Jesus came back from death. Showing us what we need to experience if we want to have a relationship with God. Um. (laughs) what (laughs) so jesus came back from death to show us what we need to experience what please explain see for years and years and years this is what religion has been about you're bad and you need to be good you ever feel like that you're bad message for today point number one you're bad Point number two, you're really bad. Point number three, you're awful. Point number four, knock it off. Point number five, pray and go home. Yeah, that's a perfect example of, that's a perfect outline of all law, no gospel preaching. I've sat under sermons like that. Apparently Perry has too. I remember the first 12 years I went to church walking out going, do I do anything right? I don't think I do anything right. I think I got it all wrong. I don't even know. Why do I go here? It's the drive-by guilting every Sunday. And we all got guilted and walked home, right? But for too long in religion, the, the, the focus is like, hey, you're bad. And if you'll do really good works, if you'll just be good, and if you'll just do good, one day when you die, you get to go to heaven because you're good. Let me tell you something. Good people don't go to heaven. Alive people go to heaven. Your problem and my... <laughs> I know the distinction he's trying to make, but how about forgiven people go to heaven? Yeah, because Christ died for the ungodly, Romans 4 says. And my problem, our problem isn't that we're bad and we need to become good. Our problem is spiritually we're dead and we need to come to life. Yeah, this is true. And who's going to raise us? 
And the only one that can bring us to life is the one that has came from death to life. His name is Jesus. And so if you're here today and you feel like your life has fallen apart or nothing makes sense and you're trying to do good, but you can't keep seeming to fall back. The reason is Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you and I could be good. Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could experience an abundant life here on earth. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> What atonement theory is that? The abundant life theory of the atonement? Oh, man, that's just awful. So in some part, I mean, I think that uh, Perry is rightly reacting negatively against the all law, no gospel preaching. But he is not preaching the gospel here. This is something very different. And an eternal life in heaven. See, that's good news right there. Yeah, no, actually, that wasn't. That, that was something different than the good news. Verse 8 says, the, woman, the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. <laughs> what? What? I saw that phrase. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't have both of those at the same time, but the Bible says you can, so I guess you can. Afraid and yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Have you ever experienced that? Afraid and filled with joy? Because I have. I'm sure you have. Please tell us another story about you, Perry. I'd love... I mean, we've learned so much about you already. I mean, why not learn more about you? Yeah, I mean, it's, Jesus can wait. I mean, yeah, I mean... I can't think of anything more important to do on Easter Sunday than hear another story about you, Perry Noble. You're, you're, you're afraid, but you're filled with joy. See, the only people that can really experience this are people that um, have Christ in their lives. And the reason is Jesus is the only source of joy, hope, and peace that remains consistent in our lives and will never leave you. If you've got your hope in a political party right now, let me tell you what you are. Freaking scared. Because you don't know what's going to happen. If you got your hope in something else, you're, you're freaking scared. But if you got your hope in Jesus, you can be afraid and filled with joy. I'll prove it to you. When I was 12 years old, I didn't know Christ. And my mom. So you're going to prove this to us from a personal story. Got it. Okay. My mom passed away. And I was afraid. And I was afraid because my dad, my dad didn't handle it very well. He'd, we'd go visit the graveyard at night. He worked during the day. But I'm like, why we got to come here at night? Because there's, I mean, this is like before the walking dead or anything like that. But I'd already seen those visions in my, I mean, I was freaking scared. I was like, why we got to come out? Because I thought I was going to fall in the grave. And I thought I had a dream one night that something came out of a grave and got me. And that just wasn't good. I mean, I was scared all the time. I was scared that I was next. I was scared that my mom, you know, was, I didn't, I didn't know. I was afraid. But seven, but then in 1990, I met Christ and Jesus came into my life. And several years ago, I lost my dad. And when I lost my dad, I was afraid yet filled with joy i was afraid oh i didn't know it was possible but that now i know it is because you know perry noble experienced afraid yet filled with joy you know right yeah please keep preaching about you perry it, it really will transform people's lives you know why were you afraid because i realized in my family i'm next pretty morbid isn't it when you realize you're next I remember working in a Sunday school. There was always a senior adult class that nobody wanted to go in because they knew their next class was going to be in heaven. And so they didn't want to say, 
But you can be afraid and filled with joy, even in the middle of intense, intense suffering. You know why? The cross is a symbol that when things seem out of control, that there is a God in heaven who is good and who's completely in control. And though things may seem out of control in our lives, the, the frantic Friday leads to the resurrection on Sunday. And I know a lot of people that want to re- resurrect. The frantic Friday leads to the resurrection on Sunday. So now you've allegorized Good Friday and you've allegorized the resurrection. Wow. Wow, that's just awful. Resurrection, but they're not willing to walk through the crucifixion to get it. You will go through tough times. I'm not willing to walk through the crucifixion to get Oh, man. I will go through tough times. We will experience tough times. But because he lives, we come out the other side on the winning team. I love this. He says, uh, Bible says verse 9, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. I don't think he said that. I think he said something else. Um, Because that's just kind of like Spock showing up in the Bible. Um, But anyway, he probably said a little bit more than that. Greetings. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Because that's what you do to a guy that you just saw come back to life. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Having to constantly calm these women down. Go and, now don't miss this, this is huge. Tell my brothers. That is enormous. You know, underline that. To go to Galilee. Go to Galilee. Underline that. There they will see me. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. I, I talk to people about receiving Christ. And one of the things that people say to me is, I don't want to pray to receive Christ because I'm, a, I'm scared that I'll mess up. And I always tell them the same thing. You will. You will. Traffic. Cue sappy music. This is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God the Holy Spirit is now descending on the audience in order to convince them and work with them to make the all-important decision to make Jesus Lord and Savior of their life in this particular case. That's not what's really happening here at all. This is just manipulation. We'll mess you up. Your children will mess you up. The parking lot after this service is not going to mess you up because you're godly and you love Jesus and you've listened to the preaching of his word and you're going to be nice and tip the parkers a $5 bill for doing a great job, then they're going to tithe on it and God's going to get the glory for it all. It's going to be amazing. But everybody, everybody in this room knows what it's like to feel like a failure. And, and if you're a Christian... Our failure, I mean, I mean, there, there, I remember there was a song that came out years and years ago. Some of you will remember it. Maybe you liked it. I hated it. I said, do you still feel the nails every time I fail? Am I crucifying you all over again? No. 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 Jesus died once. I heard a pastor say, every time you sin, it's like you're taking Jesus to the cross again. I'm like, that poor guy is slapped, worn out, and just paying for my sins. And I know about you. And I mean, I know your sins are greater than mine. Anyway, we get in that comparison game. But I love the fact that he said, tell my brothers. Now, this is the same. The reason I'm saying this is because this is the same group of men. Let's see who was in that group. There was Peter. There was Thomas. There was James. There was John. Let's talk about what they had done in the past 24, 48 hours. 
prior to this being written. Um, Thomas had doubted Jesus. You ever doubted him? You ever doubted that he was going to come through for you? You ever been in Yeah, Thomas's doubting actually was unbelief. He was unbelieving. That's post-resurrection. That was after Jesus had already appeared in the upper room to the other disciples. Yeah been in the middle of a situation and you've been so full of doubt you didn't even you didn't even know if you believed it anymore you ever been there because thomas was yeah, no that's not telling the story of thomas correctly peter denied him flat out cussed the guy out and said i don't know him you ever denied christ you ever been in a situation where you flat out denied him either by your words or by your actions you ever done that james and john were self-centered James and John at the, at the Lord's Supper ask him, hey, when you get to heaven, can we sit, when you get in your kingdom, can I sit on the right side and he sit on the left? They were completely self-centered. You ever been self-centered in your life? You ever felt like it was all about you? You ever made a selfish decision? See, it's so... Yeah, you're describing sins here. Yeah, I hope the solution is repentance and the forgiveness of their sins. So funny that the people that doubt and the people that deny and the people that make self-centered decisions, we want to ostracize them and Jesus called them brothers. Yeah, that's because he bled and died for their sins. Because they're part of the family. And listen, because uh, they, they, he bled and died for their sins. Listen to me. If you're part of the family, you're not seen as a failure. If you're part of the family... Jesus don't kick out his family members. The reason I would tell you to give your life to... So, so Jesus is loyal to his family members, right? Okay. Life to Christ is very simple. You need something in your life that will never leave you and will always be with you. And because he lives, he will be with you. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. The reason I love that is an invitation. It's so, it's so powerful. Don't miss this. So this is like an invitation to make Jesus Lord and Savior, right? Yeah. Go to Galilee. It's just like an invitation. It's an invitation to start over. These men, Jesus met them in Galilee. He raised them and he mentored them. He discipled them in Galilee. And when he told them to go back to Galilee, he's basically saying, hey, guys, I know, I know, I know about everything. I know about the doubt. I know about the denial. I know about the self-centeredness. Let's just go start over. What? I mean, what's the point of having a Bible if you're not going to actually read it? And just make up your own stories. It's choose your own adventure, uh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Just choose your own ending for the. Wow. And the same invitation he gave to them, he's given to some of you. To, to go to Galilee. Okay. Are you going to pay for my flight over? So my question is very simple. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Has there been a time in your life where you've prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life and you surrendered your life to Jesus? Listen, I'm not asking you, did you have a spiritual experience? I'm saying, did you recognize, you know what? I'm not alive spiritually. He is. I need him and me. And instead of trusting in my works to get me to heaven, I'm going to trust in his works. Uh -huh. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's... It's important that we do that, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this is so convoluted. Do you have a relationship? And when I say relationship, let me, let me close with this. I got a friend um, that, that knows Taylor Swift.
Well, uh, that's just impressive. You know, it's like the whole, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing. I am, I'm sure I know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody that knows Taylor Swift, you know. Anybody, anybody, T Swift, I, I, I've got, I listen to her because I have an eight year old girl. Um, and I mean, she kind of burst on the scene, right? 2006, I think it was, had its own love story. Recently, it's a shake, shake it off. I can't, I can't quit listening to that song. So I just listen to it when I work out because the beat makes me a little mad. Um, but I, I just, I've watched her career. It's been fascinating. If you're a guy and you date her, she's going to write a top song about how you're a scumbag. Like she did to poor John Mayer. I, I just, I, you know, she's, she's fascinating. But I've got a friend that, listen, listen, one day his phone rang and he answered. He's like, hi, this is Pete. And on the other end, it's like, hi, this is Taylor Swift. He was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm actually Barack Obama. Like, like we can play this game all day if you want to. And she said, no, no, I'm Taylor Swift. She said, and I'm looking for um, some, some kids to be in my next video. And I was online and I saw some pictures of you and your boys. And I was wondering if you and your wife and would like to bring your boys up and they would like to be in the, in the video. And he was like, does Billy Graham have a quiet time? <laughs> so they went up and they met Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift took... The, the two little boys shopping at Toys R Us. Shut the place down. Just let them shop. I'm like, oh my gosh, I would love that. Like for her to take me shopping at Toys R Us. I gotta buy, I'd buy some Legos and I, I'd be in. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what any of this has to do with Christ and him crucified for our sins and raised again for our justification. I, yeah, I don't know what any of this has to do with He went up there. They, funny story is yeah but the sappy music's playing so that means the Holy Spirit's moving I, I should be respectful of that Pete and Brandy Pete and his wife went up there with his boys so they could be in the video and Pete and Brandy wound up being in the video too it's the song Mine was that several years ago the Mine the Video thing he came back and he was we were sitting at dinner and he was telling me all about it all about it all about it Taylor Swift Taylor Swift Taylor Swift here's the thing I have a friend that knows Taylor Swift I don't know Taylor Swift. If I went to her house and knocked on the door, I'd say, hi, I'm Pete's friend. I feel like I know you. I would be escorted from the premises. Yeah, that's that's probably true. I don't even think you'd make it to the front door. I'm, I'm, I don't even know where Taylor Swift lives. Because I don't have a relationship. Right, yeah. And the reason I say that is because I don't want you to be like the over 2 million concert goers that saw Taylor Swift and screamed and yelled at the top of their lungs because they were in a room with her, but they didn't actually know her. Yeah, that, that would be just terrible. I mean, yeah. So you need to have a relationship with Taylor Swift. And I don't want that to happen to us when we get to heaven. My question for you is very simple. Do you know about Jesus? Or do you know Jesus? Is he alive in you mm -hmm. yeah that's quite the question and uh and how would you suggest that if he isn't that somebody somehow make him alive within them you know and if not hey today's an incredible day to start over yeah just like going to galilee man father right now in the name of done no repentance, no forgiveness of sins. We did hear something about Jesus dying for us. I mean, that was mentioned, but, I mean, not really expounded on. 
Um, then we heard a lot of allegorizing, uh, and boy, did we hear a lot about Perry Noble and Perry Noble's life. You know, I mean, you know, I feel like I practically know him, you know, but if I showed up at his door, you know, and knocked on his door, so, you know, after hearing all your sermons, I feel like I practically know you, but I, apparently we don't have a relationship. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure afterwards he tweeted out how many people made decisions, you know, to have a relationship with Jesus. Was anyone brought to penitent faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins after hearing that message? I don't see how they could be, because that isn't what he was preaching. Wow, that was a convoluted mess. Oh, and by the way, remember, God told him to preach that convoluted hot mess of nonsense. Nope, don't know why God would tell him to do that, but, you know, that's what he said, so... There you go, contestant number seven for this year, Perry Noble. What'd you think? I'd love to get your feedback if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith. You can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fire Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at fire Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and by Carrie's death on the cross. For all of your sins. Amen.